Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. It's great to see all of you. It's great to be back with all of you. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. How was it? Great. Great. We bought Thanksgiving in a box this year. Marie Callender, she cooked it up fresh for us. <laughs> it was wonderful. We were with my parents in, in Oxnard, and they had just still settling into the new town they just moved to. And as uh, my dad has retired, and so we went to visit them, and my mom said, I really prefer to just enjoy the time without having to cook everything. And so let's get a box of... Let's get it from Marie Callender. So we did that, and it, it was wonderful and very flavorful. I highly recommend that if, if you're ever thinking, I need an alternative. I would say go with that. It's good to, it's good to be back here for the past month. If, this is, if you're a guest, uh, then we're wrapping up today this message series called Teaming Together. And over the past month, some good friends of mine, pastors within our network of churches, have been rotating speaking at each other's churches, a different one each week, and so, uh, but to be honest, it's, it's really good to be home, it's good to be back here. Uh, it's, it's taken me as a pastor several years to not become super nervous about speaking on a Sunday morning. The first several years, it was like, my nerves were just, you know, I was a mess every Sunday. But I've gotten used to this, it's been nearly 10 years, and so... This last month has been, you know, like restarting all over again because I didn't know these churches all that well. I mean, I know the pastor and I know some of the people, but it was a different environment, different vibe, culture for each one. And so it was extremely intimidating. It was a very nerve wracking challenge for me. Um, so if you were here, then you got to enjoy some different treats, some fun treats to welcome our guests, uh, kind of highlighting an aspect of their lives. And so uh, here's a picture of. The pastors that spoke here. Uh, in the back is Randy in the white. He's in the white uh, sweatshirt, and, and he's the pastor of Church in the Valley in Diamond Bar. He loves apple fritters. He's a donut guy, and a fond memory I have with him is we would surf at Bolsa Chica near Huntington Beach, and then we'd go get donuts afterwards. And his favorite was always the apple fritters. So we thought, let's have a lot of apple fritters when he comes, just to make sure he gets one and to welcome him here. And then the week after, my friend Alex Barrett from Church in the Valley in Alhambra came, and we had scones for him. Uh, he, well, I don't know if he likes scones or not, but he is from England. And, and that's why we had scones. And so he actually was born and raised in England and then kind of probably from his teenage years was here in California. His father was in the Air Force. And so... He lost his English accent. He can turn it on and off, though. It's pretty fun. And I hoped he might do that, but he didn't. I guess he just gave you the English Alex. Uh, Not the English Alex, but the American Alex, I should say. But we had scones for him. And then last week, Bevan Unrau from the pastor of Seabreeze Church in Huntington Beach came. And we had donuts from a shop in Huntington Beach called the Donuttery. And those of you in the second service, you might be thinking, what? I didn't know about that. It's because our first service crew, I think, cleaned out the the donuts because they were so good. And uh, so we we ran and got more from one of our local shops. So we had donuts, but we want to make sure he felt at home with us. But I'm back. No donuts. No scones. Because my doctor's orders, you know, lay off the sweets, Josh. And so you get to join me on that journey. (laughs) Well, way back in April, we, we began planning for this series, and we were wanting to talk about what is the power and the potential 
that we have if we team together. Both if our people understand that being a part of a church is teaming together in a church, but then also in a network, there's a lot of potential we have and momentum as we, as we aim to, at times, do strategic efforts together, to launch things together, to support things together. And so, now I don't know if we realized it back in April that when we'd be planning this series that it would land pretty much in the World Series time, but it, it did. And I, I know many of you are Dodger fans and um, are still recovering from that. And, and I'm, I'm the furthest from a Dodger fan, but I have a heart. And I felt for my Dodger friends when I was in Texas watching the World Series. Because for me, it felt like it was California versus the rest of the world in the World Series. And uh, I was rooting for the Dodgers probably the first time ever. Just because I was like, they played so well. My team had the very worst record in baseball, the Giants, this past year. And so it was a rough experience, though, for those of you who, who watched that all the way through. And the scripture says... There's a time to be silent and a time to speak. And so I, I made sure I got that right. And, and I didn't send out any bad texts to anybody, no messages to anybody, because I was actually disappointed, as you were, if you're a Dodger fan. But seriously, when it comes to baseball, at each level of play, there's a huge celebration if you win. At each level. Uh, even for a young Little League World Series you know, champ, there's a huge celebration. Here's a picture of the Japanese World Series Champions. The, these, this group from Japan were the 2017 champions. They beat the best team in the States, which was from Texas. And uh, a team from Japan has won the Little League World Series five times in this decade. And so they're just dominating the World Series for Little Leaguers. Now, imagine the thrill of life as a 12-year-old to know you're the best baseball player, you know, 12 and under. You're, you're the best you're part of the, the greatest team for that year as a 12-year-old. That's got to be a huge and thrilling experience to be on TV, to have that trophy, to have that memory. Now, in, in high school ball, higher level of play, uh, you know, the, the high school ball is much higher. Now, I don't know if this team, this team might be able to beat some high school teams if they're pretty bad. But typically, you know, high school level, better, you know, better, higher level of play, and so... Another huge celebration. Here's a picture of the, the El Toro baseball team. This is from Lake Forest. This is our CIF Southern Section champions for this year, for 2017. You know, huge accomplishment. They're not going to, you know, this is probably for many of them, this may be the highlight of their life, this experience, this celebration. Another, another level of play, college baseball. Huge accomplishment. University of Florida, 2017 College World Series champs. I don't know if you have any University of Florida folks here. Do we? We've got one. One in the house. We have one. I knew we had one. I thought we had one. But, I mean, that that's, you know, are they the Gators? Go Gators, you know. Now, a few weeks back wrapped up one of the most exciting, though, you know, at the highest level of play. This back-and-forth battle for major league ball players And the Astros, they emerged as the World Series champs. I'm not going to show a picture. Like I said, there's time to be silent. So I'm not going to show a picture of that. But I am going to show a picture from last year's champions. So here's the 2016 Chicago Cubs. Now, this is notable. After a 108-year drought, the Cubs took back, you know, took this commissioner's trophy back home to their hometown fans.
They won the they won the series. A hundred and eight years. People were waiting for this for a long time, and I felt like everybody in the country was rooting for the Cubs to go all the way because they'd gotten so close. It was a great series. Now, here's a question that if you, if you can respond, go ahead and slip your hand up. Have you ever been to a championship team parade with any sport, but a professional championship team parade? Anybody in the room? Okay, we got one, two, three. Anybody else? Do I hear a four? So here's a picture of the Chicago Cubs team parade. Look at this celebration. An estimated five million showed up to celebrate the Cubs. Huge parade. Five million people. I mean, these athletes are used to playing in front of tens of thousands. But this is like, you know, I can't do the math, but I mean, it's a lot more. I'm not going to embarrass myself with the help me out math teachers, you know. Hundred times? Okay, he's, I'm not a math teacher anymore. <laughs> he's moved on. I mean, lots. We'll just go with that. Lots of people. Huge celebration. This they brought the commissioner's trophy back to Chicago before their hometown fans, raving fans. Imagine the thrill and the energy at that parade to to have you know your team be world champions and imagine to be a part of that team imagine to be a member a player on that team now did you know that there is a victory parade referred to in the bible there's a victory parade referred to in the bible it's not tied to an athletic competition it is connected to something much different it's connected to a cosmic battle And I want to look at it this morning. In order to really understand the celebration and the parade that we see in the Bible, we need to know more about the battle, who are the teams involved. And in a spiritual sense, at the very highest level, there are really only two teams in this world and in this life. On the one side, we have the world's team. And on the other side, we have God's team. If you like, you can pull out your listening guide and you'll see these passages here, a couple passages we're going to look at. And you can follow along. But the Bible describes the world's team as this. It's the description, if you read this passage, is it's as people without hope. Now, I used to play for that team. In fact, you did, at one point you did as well. You may still be. Or maybe you've become a part of God's team. Now, here's the description from the Bible. This is Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3. Paul writes this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. Now, as for you, this, this is basically written from Paul to a group of, of people who'd become Christians in modern-day Turkey. There's a church in Ephesus, and he says, this is who you were. As for you, this is who you were. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. You had crossed God's boundary line. You stepped across God's boundary line. You were going your own way in life, moving in a different direction than God. And he says you were dead in your transgressions and sins. So he's saying you were like living corpses. Now this is this this is his letter to a church. This thing. This, this is who you are. Let me remind us all of who 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 we are. Verse two says this: in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work. In those who are disobedient. So you're, all of us, verse 3, all of us also lived among them at one time. 
gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. So this was written by Paul, first century church leader, and he's, he's identifying with the world's team. He's saying, look, all of us, like the rest, we were by nature objects of God's wrath. Paul's saying, that was me, that was all of you, church in Ephesus. In fact, this is a team that we here all automatically become a part of when we arrive on planet Earth. This is our, that's our nature, our, our, our native team. That's our default team. And since the fall of Adam and Eve, all humanity lives in a broken condition without hope. The Bible, it breaks it down in this way. And I want to take this passage and kind of break it down further. The world's team is described as those who are dead in sin. The picture here that's painted is it's a, it's a dismal one. We're physically alive, but we're spiritually dead. That's verse 1. Living corpses. Verse 2, following the ways of this world, being, being led by God's enemy, moving in a, in a direction. There's a strong pull in a certain direction. This is what comes naturally to us, to live like the world. And then it says, heading towards judgment. Verse 3, under, basically, we find ourselves under God's wrath, awaiting a horrible future. It says that we're slaves to sin. You, you see in verse 3, gratifying the cravings. There's, there's, a, there's a pull inside of us that we can't say no to. It, basically, we don't have the power to live for God's ways. Our default in life is set to sin. You, know, you, you set your radio defaults to go to certain stations. Your default, my default, is in our natural state, it's, just, it's set to sin. We're enemies, the scripture says, of God. We're opposed to God. So it's a pretty hopeless predicament, right? And if, if this was a baseball team and a baseball game, it would be like one of those ball games that seems impossible to come back from. This is at the point where people are leaving the stadium. You know, and the game's not over yet, but you see people leaving because they want to they beat the traffic. Because in their mind, there's no coming back. Or this is when people shut off the TV and I can't watch this anymore. I've heard people say that. I can't even watch this anymore. Because they've given up. Because there are some situations that there's just no coming back from. And that's the picture that we're given here in Ephesians 2. But then God, God brought in someone who turned the battle around and got the save. This is what you find in verse 4. God, he, we see God in verse 4 offering hope. And many of you have already experienced this. And if you haven't, we want, we want you to know that this is available to you even today. Verse 4 and 5, it reads, But, that's not the end, but, but because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Just when it looked like it was game over, Jesus, the Son of God, He stepped into our world in the flesh, God in the flesh stepped into our world. He paid the penalty for our sin and for our rebellion. And he rescued us from life and eternity without him. And a whole, a whole new team emerged, God's team. And God's team is, is people who've found life. It's described in this way. You see, they've been brought to life, verses 4 and 5. They were dead, but God raised them to life. Christ's death is what made the difference. His death paid, and then his resurrection. His death, his burial, his resurrection. 
that ushers in a brand new life for those who trust in him. But we no longer live for self. Now we're, we're saved by God's grace. We deserve nothing, the scripture teaches. And then Jesus is master. We're no longer slaves to sin, just like we sing in that song. We're no longer held captive by our nature, by those cravings that we have to gratify. Now, our heart and our desires are now drawn towards the way of God's kingdom. However, there's still a war going on, but now there's a new power within us to respond to the ways of God that wasn't there before. There was no law. Before Christ comes into a person, there's no power to do life God's way. There's no ability to sustain a life that God would want you to live. So we needed help from the outside. Also, we're friends of God. We were enemies before. We were alienated from God. We stood in opposition to God. But in this amazing turn of events, He flips our world upside down. And now enemies and foes have become followers of Him. And it's this amazing paradox. And it sparks a victory parade. And that's the parade I want to look at this morning. We looked at athletic parades, but that victory parade, it marches through time. It doesn't march through streets. And there's people that we would not expect to see or be in that parade. People have joined up, all sorts of people. And this this summer, during the 4th of July, I went to a small town in, in Colorado, just outside the Rockies. And it was... It was fun. We got to be there for their town, 4th of July parade. And here's a picture of the parade. Small town. Seemed like everybody came out. Everybody bought Slurpees and sat on the, sat on the curb and just watched the parade come by. It was, we had a great time. It was so much fun. And, and people I expected to see were in the parade. You had the marching band. You had the school teachers. You had the veterans. You had the firemen, kind of the town heroes that were there, the paramedics, the police. And it's, it's like with those people you knew, they ought to be in the parade. Because when you think of them, they symbolize something else. They, they symbolize the heroism or they symbolize you know, the sacrifice from these veterans. And, and all of these things, it draws attention to, to something greater. But then in the parade, there were some unexpected parade participants uh, the most unexpected for me, there were a few, but the most unexpected for me was a guy in a lowered Chevy Suburban, like mid-90s era, with nice wheels and a great sound system. <laughs> and he, he, had a, he had a parade number on the side of his car, and I'm like, who's this guy? And I, I couldn't tell. All I knew is he was sitting kind of low, and he was driving slow, and he was just, just bumping his sound system, and I thought... He got a new sound system, and he wants to show the town. <laughs> and all eyes were on him. And he got his moment of glory. <laughs> it was just unusual. It didn't crack a smile. He was just enjoying this, uh, this parade experience. And, and I was confused with that. Because typically, typically major victories culminate in a parade. You know, the, the veterans, that makes sense. The, you know, the heroes of the town, that makes sense. Because major victories culminate in parade. Now, this is the scene in the Bible of a victory parade. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. That's two uh, books back in the Bible, 2 Corinthians. This victory parade is made up of people who've decided to follow Jesus and take their place in the long line of those who've come before them and who will go after them. This is a, this is a parade that if you're in Christ, you're a part of that parade. Here's the description. It's from Paul. 
Formerly, again, he's an enemy. In fact, he had a bitter hatred towards Christ and towards Christ's followers. But then Paul met Jesus, and his life was turned upside down. He wrote this, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Paul writes, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. This is a scene of a parade, of a victory parade. Now, long before athletic parades was the victory parade, where a conquering general would lead his troops through cities after a major victory had been won. And in the processional behind the general were also enemy prisoners who were forced to march. They'd been captured. Now they're forced to march. And they're walking through the town, and the general is celebrating his victory. And that's the picture that Paul is picking up on here in 2 Corinthians 2. He's, he has in his mind a Roman victory parade. Not an athletic parade, but a Roman victory parade. But in this parade, Christ is at the head of the parade. And Paul, this former enemy, is in the parade. He sees himself as a part of the parade. He's in the processional. If you look at the wording here in this passage, Christ always lead, or God, thanks be to God who always leads us in this triumphal procession in Christ. So if you're in Christ, then like Paul, if, you, if you've become a Christ follower, then this is a picture of how Christ has led you out of prison. He's rescued you from spiritual death and bondage. You've yielded your way to him. You've yielded your life to him. He's the boss and he's now leading your life and you're moving in a different direction than this world. But you're not just hopping onto a float. Waving at everyone and throwing candy at the kids in life. Everything in this parade, this victory parade, has a purpose. Our role is is this. It's, It's laid out in this verse. Our role is to spread everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. That's what this life is about. We're in the parade behind Christ and we are to spread everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. Now with military leaders, in their victory parades, there would be these incense bearers who would walk alongside the leader so that this fragrant aroma, this incense, would, would hit the crowd. And everyone would know that the leader was passing by. At just the right moment, the aroma would point people to the leader. The incense bearers didn't get the attention. They didn't get the focus. But the leader, who was the conquering general, would get the praise that was due. And in our case, if you're in Christ, then you and I are like those incense bearers. We are to spread the aroma and we're to be the aroma. And it's really as you live out the ways of God's kingdom in this world, then people notice something different about you. And they're, they're wondering, who does this person follow? Who does, this, who does he or she follow? And one of the most exciting parts of life is to be in this parade and to point others towards our leader. Notice how this, this celebration is occurring out in the world. It's spreading, we're to be spreading everywhere. It's, it's one thing that we come together on a Sunday and we celebrate in a gathering like this. Cert, certainly this is part of the celebration, but the intention is that we would be spreading everywhere beyond this place, that a fragrant aroma would be spread, pointing people to Christ. And so at our church, we want, we want as a group of people to be living on mission in our world where God's placed us. And there's a basic flow of how how this works. How do you spread the fragrance and the knowledge of Him? How do you share Jesus with others? Not always in this order, but it generally goes something like this. You meet someone, and there's a flow I want to refer to. You meet someone, 
Someone who's not a Christ follower. Someone, maybe it's a, a co-worker. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a neighbor. But, but you meet someone, then you invest in that relationship. You show God's love through care. You make time. You, you look for ways to show God's love to people. And to invest in people, it requires some available time. Many times our lives get so built out, we leave no margin in our lives. We leave no room to make an investment in anybody we meet. And so it's difficult to, to, to spread everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. But we meet, we invest, and then that's not enough. We have to take the risk and, and start inviting Start inviting people. We invite people to maybe an event at church. Maybe it's a men's event, a women's event, or maybe it's this gathering, or maybe it's something your small group puts on. And then you include people. You introduce people into your circle of relationships because it takes the team to help people come to know Jesus Christ. Usually it's the witness of several people, the life of several people that, that people recognize. Wow, there's something, there's, there's something about this group. I want to know more about their leader. And at this stage, it's really part of our role at this stage when you start including someone who's not yet a Christ follower is to help people get connected. Two things often help at this stage. One is relationships and another is responsibilities. You help people find connections here and then find ways to contribute through their own life. In this place. The reason is because without relationships and responsibilities, without these, within a few months, people tend to just move on and drift away. And then finally you share, you clarify. The reason is because all of us need to have a clear understanding of what it means to follow Christ. Oftentimes we're too afraid or we're too embarrassed to ask what it really means. But people need to clearly understand their need for God. They need to understand what God has done to meet their need. They need to understand how Jesus defines following him. And then the question of, how do I respond to all that? And once there's clarity, people, you know, respond to faith in Christ. Now, this, this flow doesn't always work in that order, but this flow is how you and I can spread everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. And Paul continues in verse 15. And he says this, still about this parade, this triumphal procession, for we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. So this is that the impact, that fragrant aroma makes an impact. It impacts people. Your life is impacting people. Verse 16. To the one, we are the smell of death. To the other, the fragrance of life. So it's like a fragrance that hits the crowd, and it divides people into two groups. There are those who are moving towards God, and then there are those who are moving away from God. Paul says, your life makes an impact. And he doesn't leave room for other options of what happens. It's just those who are moving towards life, those that are moving towards death. And so to the one group, we smell like life. God uses us to lead people to abundant and eternal life. And when a church or a group of people that are Christ followers are focused on the right values, those values which reflect the heart of God, it's very attractive. It can create curiosity and it's the fragrance that draws people in Increase the curiosity to know the leader. They want to know who's at the head of this parade. So they get to know Christ through our lives. And then, sadly, to the other group, this passage says, we are to them the smell of death. 
In other words, our life and our message in this world and for this world really is a matter of life and death. And so what this does is it challenges us as a church and as individuals to look at the impact we're having and really evaluate what is the scent that people pick up as they interact with us as a group of people. What's the impact? Verse 16 ends with a question. Look at the question. It says, who is equal to such a task? This is a huge responsibility in a sense. Who's equal to such a task that we would be tasked with the responsibility of spreading you know, the message of Christ? I, I don't know if I can carry that message. It's a matter of life and death. Paul's saying, who, who is equal? Well, how did you get into this parade? It's not because you and I were equal to the task. It's only because we've lined up behind Christ and we're following Him. He's rescued us out of darkness, and now we've lined up behind Christ, and He's leading us in a new direction than the world. Which is why Paul begins with the declaration, the praise. He says, from the very beginning, he says, thanks be to God. He's, he's very thankful that He's a part of this parade because of what God has done in Christ. And the reality is, this is a parade that you want to be in. You may not realize it right now. It sure doesn't look like it's something I'd want to be in all the time. The reason is because for now, this great triumphal procession, this parade, it's hidden. You know, we don't see this right now. We don't see, wow, I'm I'm in this giant parade of those who come before and who will go after. I I don't see that. I can't get my mind around that. You know, I can see this gathering. I can see occasional gatherings of God's people, but... But every once in a while, we, we, it becomes visible, the celebration aspect, and it's motivating to us. If we can get a glimpse of the celebration through time, it, it brings the major issue into focus. And here, here's the major issue. The major win that we're celebrating here is evangelism. That's the major win. When people hear about the good news of, of Jesus and respond in faith and turn their lives to Him, they follow Him. When they get baptized and they go public about their faith in Christ, we cheer them on. We celebrate with them. And for me, there's probably nothing more exciting than seeing people move from death to life. I mean, that, that's, that's the highlight. And every time I see a baptism, I'm reminded of this great spiritual reality. And I have some pictures of some of our baptisms here. And... The, you know, when you're, when you're being baptized, it's, it's like this. It's, you're standing there, and it's a picture of, this is the old me. This is the old man. The old nature. I was dead in sin. By nature, I was an object of God's wrath. I was awaiting punishment. But then, God turned things around. This next picture shows, as you're going under the water, it's a, it's a picture of Jesus. He paid the penalty for my sin and my rebellion. And he was buried. My sin debt was paid in full. I can be forgiven. But God, I, I, I've done so much. I, you, you can be forgiven. But then you come up out of the water. And Jesus, he arose. And he, he has given me, he's given you the opportunity to have a new life. And so, and it's a celebration. If you come to Christ... Then I want to encourage you to go back in your mind and remember that Jesus has saved you from spiritual death. He's paid your penalty and he's raised you to new life. Since I keep those spiritual realities and the significance of them in my mind, then I'm, I'm, 
I can live with gratitude. And I can stay motivated to stay engaged in this parade. The, the victorious parade that I'm in, I, I don't... Sometimes we think, ah, oh, this is so routine, this is so mundane, the Christian life. And we lose sight of this because we forget about how we've been rescued from bondage. We've been rescued from a life without hope. It's our gratitude that motivates our continued participation. If you're struggling with motivation, then go back in your mind to what he's rescued you from. And when large groups of people are baptized here, it's a thrill to consider the generational impact that is being made. What a joy. What a joy to be, to be able to be a part of this, to be a part of this celebration. I have, I have another baptism picture I want to show you. Look at this one. This is from two weeks ago, I think. Archer Rosales, one of our, one of our young boys here. He's in kid zone probably right now. Um, but he'd become a Christian and he wanted to go public with his faith in Christ. And what I want you to look at is look at the, the faces of these little girls as they see one of their friends going public with his faith in Christ. Look at the excitement. And I guess the challenge here is don't, don't lose that excitement about this celebration and what it really is. You see, as adults, we can get pretty sidetracked on what's most important in life. And I've zoomed in on this picture to, to show the kids' faces because there's far more joy than if you could see the, the faces of, of the adults. When people make spiritual decisions, you know, we have options on our responses, right? I'm not saying all the adults weren't excited, too. But sometimes we, we hold our excitement in. You know, it's like a golf clap. Good. Way to go. Way to go. You've made the most important decision of your life. And these kids, it's, for the kids, they're basically saying, this is better than the World Series. You've come from death to life. You see, and, you know, their faith is pretty young and, and pretty, pretty, I would say, pure at that age, you know, and, and untested in many ways. But, but as far as yeah, they, they see this is a moment to be celebrated. And when people make spiritual decisions, it's, it, it's eternal life. It's abundant life. It's, it's heaven. It's the power that God brings into your life through His Spirit who now gives us the ability for our chains to be broken, for us to have major breakthroughs in life. So let me encourage you here at OCC, every time someone trusts in Christ, through your participation, you, you are a part of that. It doesn't always seem like we're a part of that, but when you see someone get baptized, a little archer, you are a part of that. It's always a team victory. It's always a team victory. His dad may have led him to Christ, or someone else may have led Archer to Christ and, and helped clarify, but it was a team victory we celebrate as a church. It's through our collective serving. It's through our collective giving. It's our, it's our singing. When we unite our voices, when we pray, when we train, when we share our lives with others, we're doing this together. You know, I have one major regret regarding team parades and celebrations. It involves uh, my favorite team, the Giants. They had a streak going where they won the World Series in 2010, 2012, and 2014. And I have those pennants hanging in my office. And I was up in San Jose in, in 2014. And I was an hour from, less than an hour from 
the team celebration that was about to go off in, in San Francisco. And my brother-in-law and I were there, and we were like, we should go to the parade. Yeah, let's do it. I, we could do, wow, we can, we can actually be a part of this giant parade. And, you know, we talked ourselves out of it. It's too much traffic. It's San Francisco. It's hard to find your way around. I mean, it's hard to find your way around and find a parking spot on a normal day in San Francisco. Now, now have the Giants team parade in town. And so we talked ourselves out, and we, we thought, well, we'll just we'll watch it from the television. It'll be the same thing. <laughs> Boy, were we wrong. Because we regretted it. It was like, we're watching this. That's pretty lame. We could have been there. This was our chance to celebrate our team as world champions, and we missed it. We missed it. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you not to miss your chance to be a part of the celebration here on earth of what God is doing in rescuing people and moving people, calling people from death to life. Do all you can to take part in events to reach out. Sundays, sing out. When we sing and we unite our voices, it's like a fragrant aroma. That's part of that fragrant aroma that Paul is talking about. It points people, not to us, but to our leader. When you serve, it's part of that fragrant aroma. When you, when you give, when you're engaged in, and you're making applications and your life is changing and you're, you're obeying what the Lord shows you to obey, when, when there's a baptism and you're cheering them on, there's nothing like seeing people move from death to life. And so now's the time to participate and to be in this parade. You have the hope of the world inside of you. And so now's the time to spread the fragrance of the knowledge of him. Because after this life is over, all the opportunities that you and I presently have, those will pass us by. Those opportunities that we have with people around us that don't yet know Christ, those will pass us by. And so there's an eternal impact made through your teaming together here at OCC. And there's an even greater impact as we team with other like-minded churches that are, that are aiming at the same mission of helping people move from death to life. And in this world, there's just a strong pull away from the things of God. And because of that, there's a great need for help and for hope all around you. So let's team together for greater impact. I hope this series has strengthened our bonds as a church. And I hope it's helped communicate some, reinforce more of our values and help you sort your involvement, your participation here. I hope it's helped you take even a, maybe a deeper step of commitment here. And as we move into the end of this year, it's an exciting time to lean into God, to trust in Him, to see Him work to continue to work here through us. So I look forward to linking arms and moving God's mission forward together with all of you. I want to invite our, our worship team to come back up to the stage. And as I wrap up, take a look at these next steps. Maybe this first one is, is something to just reevaluate. Let gratitude motivate my participation on this team. Maybe you've lost the joy of participation and you need to be reminded of, of the spiritual reality of what God has done in Jesus. And the issue is gratitude. When I struggle with motivation, I've I got to go further back to what God has done. And then second, ask God to show me who's in my world that he wants me to reach out to. Maybe pray this week. God, give me spiritual eyes to see who, who, who's around me, who you place me near. And last, invite someone. It's a great time 
Christmas time is a great time to invite people to church. And so maybe you've been, you've met someone, you've invested some time in that relationship, and, and you're kind of walking through that flow, and maybe it's time to invite them. And you could just say, hey, I want you to, I want to, I want you to meet the team of people that I, that I run with. I'd love to invite you to this, this event or this gathering. Let's pray as we, as we wrap up this morning. Father, thank you for your word and for this picture of, of a victory parade. And Father, we are, there's so many uh, spiritual symbols in that passage. Some that we've touched on, some that we haven't even. Or there's even the spiritual reality of the fact that in the victory parades were enemy prisoners who were forced to march. And Lord, you, we, Paul describes us as servants, even slaves to Christ. And so God, there, there are, you have a call in our life now. If we're, if we're in Christ, you called us to live different from this world. You called us to a mission. You've given us a purpose for living. And so, God, we ask for your help. You help us, Lord, as we interact with the people that are here in our, in our neighborhood, in the places we work, in our community, Lord. Would you help us to, to see with spiritual eyes those that you're calling from death to life. Help us to be part of that process and join you in that, Lord. Thank you for the work you've done in us. Help us to not lose sight of it, God. Help us to celebrate, especially with those who recently come to Christ and continue to cheer them on, Lord. We thank you for each person that's here and the work you're doing in us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.